to CMF Digital, where the unadulterated word of God comes to you wherever you are. Um, MC, just be to me from time to time, okay? And then make time for questions, and then we'll have some time to sing a very powerful hymn about the word of God. I hope um, you have it. Okay. The views on the Bible, I'm just going to mention them, not doing much details. The non-religious, that those who don't are not religious, they don't even think about God or whatever, these spiritual things, they don't consider so for them the Bible is nothing. They, they don't care about it. So they don't believe God exists, so if you have a book that is talking about God, give it a word you are talking about, they don't believe he exists. They don't care about that. So they don't mind the Bible, whatever it is. So then we have um, religious, but no personal God. We have religions that believe in spirit, but they don't believe in a personal God. So we have Hindus and Buddhists, they don't have a personal God like we have in Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. These three religions believe in a personal God, a God that created, one that we can relate. But apart from these three religions, and to a certain African traditional religion also believe in the existence of the Supreme Being, the personal God. Other religions don't um, believe in this. So if you talk about God, um, they may limit it to something else, but they, so they, their view about the Bible will be different. But they may have some respect for the Bible because they are religious and it's a religious book. Then we have religious, but Bible is not supreme authority. So we have Muslims, they are religious, but they even go to the extent that they believe in portions of the Bible. But the Bible is not their final authority. The Quran and maybe the Hadith are the, the final authority when it comes to Islam. So the Bible, they might have, they have respect for the Bible. They believe in portion, but it is not their supreme authority. Then we have Christians, and the Christians we have two. We have those who have other sources of authority in addition to the Bible. So we have Jehovah Witnesses, we have um, Latter-day Saints, a um, very, I would say, um, classic example. For them, the writings of their leaders is viewed higher than the Bible. They believe in the Bible all right, but the writings and the teachings of their teachers or their leaders, Joseph Smith and Rutherford um, and Russell, they, their writings become authoritative. And they will say that whoever reads the words of Joseph Smith is in light. And you can have light by reading Joseph Smith without the Bible. But when you read the Bible without the books of Joseph Smith and maybe Russell, you are in darkness. So that is them. They call themselves Christian, but the Bible is not their final authority. And then we have those that hold on to the Bible as the supreme and final authority. So that is the second part of the Christian community, which I believe all of us here belong to. Catholics um, hold on to the Bible, as in the 66 books, but they are the apocrypha, and sometimes equate it as having equal um, uh, canonicity or credibility. So that is also a slight difference between the Roman Catholics and the Protestant when it comes to the Bible. The Catholics are the apocrypha, 
one Protestants um, reject the Apocrypha. We are not um, going to much in that another time when we are looking at canonicity, we can discuss that. Now let's look at attack on the Bible. If you want to attack Christian, there are two main ways that can you can use to discredit Christianity. One has to do with the life and the practice of those who call themselves Christians. Christianity can like can lack credibility by just people looking at the life you and I believe. And in fact, it is one of the main things attacking Christianity today. The life and the practice of those who call themselves Christians. I've been asking the question, if I were not a Christian, there's something I'll write on it um, later. If I were not a Christian, forget about the Bible you know. Separate yourself and ask yourself, if you were not a Christian, Christianity in Ghana and Africa will be attracted to you. And that is why some philosophers and psychologists will say that Christianity or any religion in general is like um, neurosis, people who have abnormal or mental problems. So your life can discredit Christianity. How you behave. Of all the teachings you've had in CMF, Gamsu, Pensa, and all the lighthouse, how have you been living? Can your life authenticate Christianity? So perhaps your own life is an attack on the church and the word of God. And then the second one is to attack the word itself, the Bible. That is the supreme way if you want to attack Christianity. There's no better way to do it than to attack the Holy Scripture, the Bible. An attack on the Bible is essentially an attack on the person of Jesus Christ. And all his claims. And so there are two main attacks when it comes to Scripture. That those who reject all, the whole Bible, as what? Just illusions, fabrications of some lunatics, people who are just, um, they, they are behaving abnormally, or they are disillusioned. And there are certain things they wish they will have. And they are projected that into God and the Bible. And that thing, they can never have it. So they are what? In illusion. So for such, they reject the Bible as just all made up by human beings. Some human beings writing something that is just not true. It can never be true. And we are people who believe it. So such people, if you believe in something you know is not true, then you are just deluding yourself. And then there are those who say that the Bible has been distorted. And that is one of the, um, the claims of Islam in particular. They will always say that the Bible has been distorted. We are yet to know the one that is not distorted. We are yet to wait for the Muslims or those who claim that to produce their own distorted Bible. And they have not. Certainly it's not the Quran because the Quran is not the Bible. 
portions have been distorted. So when we talk about that, then we are talking for everyone that will say that the emphasis, the challenge has to do with Christ. So for most Muslims in particular, their distortion is mainly about Jesus. It's about what Christians will claim about Jesus. That is their main source of contention. And trying to say that Jesus is just a prophet. But we are saying that he is God. And there are those who reduce the Bible to an ordinary moral book. It's good you can read it, just pick one or two lessons and throw away the rest. So people reduce the Bible to just in a moral book. Some fable story, just read it and just pick one or two things and then throw the rest away. And you see, it's a way of trivializing it. So it's just some ordinary, some common book. It's a very serious attack on the Bible. Precious one, don't be surprised. It is to be expected. There's no better way to attack Christianity than to attack the Bible. So don't expect anything different. If you want to attack Christianity, the better way, the only and good way to do it is to attack Scripture. And when you're attacking Scripture, you're attacking Christ. So when Christ is attacked, Christianity doesn't exist. Now, it's very interesting that for those who claim that the Bible has been distorted, you see, the claims of Scripture is superior to all claims. It is incomparable to any claim that any human being or any religion can make. You see, the claim of Scripture is said that if it is true, there is nothing that comes close to it. It is so authoritative. The claims talk about a God who is supreme. The Bible talks about Jesus who is God. The one that God has committed judgment into his hand. The one who is going to judge the whole world. The one who said that you can never have life except you come through me. Now, the, nobody has ever made such claims. So the claim is said that the only way to discredit is to say that it has been distorted. Because if it is true, then all other claims are inferior to it. Said that everyone must then what? Submit to it. So people feel threatened. That the claim is so superior that the only way you can attack it is to say that it has been distorted. Or say that they are even or not true. So that is what people have sought to do to attack scripture. I'm going to make some statement, maybe that will be a bit philosophical. This attack has been successful up to now. But it has not been successful up to now. Why people have believed the fact that the Bible has been distorted. People have believed that the Bible is made up of stories and therefore they don't want to have anything to do with Christianity and all that we claim. So philosophy, science, evolution and all those things, what people have managed to what? To, dis to persuade others and even generally religion. So it's been successful up to now. 
but it has not been successful because more and more people are also believing it. More and more people are dying for it. More and more people are coming to faith. More and more people are becoming more religious, even aside Christianity. But here we are looking at our scriptures. So it has not been successful until now. Ultimately, it will be successful. And ultimately, it will not be successful. People will continue to be convinced by science and philosophy. They also have very strong arguments why you cannot and should not believe the Bible. And usually you can prove it. So they will continue to convince people. Now, the, the, the other side is that uh, the more a country advances in technology, advances in warfare, advances in taking care of the needs of people, they become less religious. There are evidence like that. You can argue that when you go to the Middle East, religion rather is what growing in spite of the advancement. The argument is that are people free there? Do you have a choice? And it's true. People are forced into it. Online Christianity, whereby there's freedom. In the Middle East, in the Islamic world, you cannot but to be religious. So there's what? An intellectual argument. Yes, America is the most advanced country that is still religious. But people compare America to what? Europe. And most European countries have better welfare systems than America. So still people follow religion because of what? Needs and insecurity. So people can intellectually and philosophically give you proofs, do research that makes sense. So they will continue to convince people that there is no need to believe in this book or be religious. But more and more people will continue also to receive the grace and receive the light, and they will continue to believe the way. Now let's go to what is the word of God. What is the word of God? The word of God is made up of three. The spoken, the word with flesh, and the written. The spoken, the word flesh, and the written. And these three are not contradicting their one. The written word, which is the Bible, comprises the spoken and it's about the flesh, the word flesh, and reveals the word flesh, which is Jesus. So we have the spoken God speaking like I'm speaking now, you're speaking words. We have the word flesh, which is Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 1 to 2, the Bible said that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The verse 14 said that, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And as we behold, verse 18, he came to reveal the glory of God. So that is Jesus. And Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 to 13, the Bible said that one of the names of Jesus that was written is the word of God. So Jesus 
is the word made flesh. That is the word being a person. So the written word, which is the Bible, is the spoken. All that God has been speaking has now become written. And the written is about the word made flesh. Jesus is the center. He's the reason for the written word. And the written reveals the flesh, the word made flesh, Jesus. The written is inspired by God, so God is the main source. Supervised human authors who use their reason, their circumstances, their language and background. That's why when you read the Bible, you can almost identify with anything. It's their own human. But there's a divine source. God using human to communicate what he wants humans to understand and to know. So we have culture, we have language, we have natural things that God used. Since we are not doing um, canonicity, I will not go so much into that. They are own background, so we have different writing style. Alright, we see human element through our scripture. But God guiding humans to write what he wants them to write for all generation. The word is eternal. Both the spoken or all of them. The spoken is eternal. So the Bible said that all shall pass away, and the word of God shall not pass. And we know the word flesh Jesus himself, because he's God, he's eternal. And the Bible said that none of the things here will pass. Jesus mentioned that. That everything that has been written here, all of them will stand and none will pass. So that is the word eternal. Unfortunately, I don't have light on my phone. <laughs> the word reveal G, God. So, okay, the word reveals God. The written, that is the Bible, reveals God, that is the triune God. And then the word flesh, Jesus also came to reveal God. So Jesus came to manifest, which is what the entire book of John chapter 1 talks about, and Colossians chapter 1, and so many other aspects of scripture. So you can see that both the written word reveals God, and the word flesh who himself is the center of the written, also reveals God. The word is historical because that is to do with God dealing with human beings and human beings dealing with human beings as a result of their encounter with God. So the spoken word is seen in the written word. And when men responded to the spoken word and its result with regards to their relationship with God and their fellow human beings, is written in the written word. So the written word is God speaking, and its result as a result of what the response. So it becomes a historical account, God and man, and what happens when God came into the scene, human and human also. The word is active and creative. The three, the spoken word is active and creative. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 that God created.
initiated the world out of his mouth. He spoke and he came to me. Then that is the word spoken. Then the word flesh, Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 3 says that through him all things were made. And Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 16, the Bible says that all things were made by him and through him and for him. So you could see the spoken word creating the word flesh as a creative agent and then the word written is also creative and active. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 4 the Bible says that the word of God is active. It's the same as creative. Active. It impacts. It transforms. It brings life. So you see the three share the same characteristics. Then lastly on this, what is the word of God? The, the word is life and spirit. So the Bible said that God spoke and life came. And when God spoke, the spirit moved. Then Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the spoken word is life. Then the word flesh is life. Then the written, which when Jesus was speaking was a spoken word. And John chapter 6, verse 63 said that the words that I speak to you, they are what? Life and what? Spirit. And what is that word? They're written. Now, by the time Jesus was speaking, but now it has been written. So you see, um, one of the doctrinal blocks for this time that you're going to discuss is the consistency and the unity in Scripture. And this is just a typical example. I don't know who is going to handle that. If I'm the one, I'll repeat this. Then the word is true. The word is true. The word spoken is true. So Jesus said that, believe my words because they are true. Then the word flesh is what? True. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth. And the word spoken again, which has become the word written, John 17 says, said that Lord sanctify them by your word because your word is what? True. Don't worry. You say that. We are saying that in the Bible to read the word of God and you're quoting the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so now let's move on to the proof that the Bible is the word of God. Let's listen attentively. We believe the Bible because of the Bible. Hello? Hi. I'm saying that we believe the Bible because of the Bible. If you are here and you have any other reason why you believe the Bible, then you don't believe the Bible. And if you are looking for any other reason that to believe the Bible, you will never get any reason. We believe the Bible because of the Bible. We believe the Bible because of its eternal and self witness.
sneers and claims. Now, let me once again say that self-witness and claim is a universal phenomenon. When you say that you believe the Bible because of the Bible, you are being scientific, you are being philosophical, and you are being intellectual, and you are being very rational and academic. But above all, you are being spiritual. I'm saying that self-claim and self-witness is a universal phenomenon. That's why I'm saying that it is philosophical, it is scientific, it is logical. There is nothing in this world that does that have evidence more than a self-claim of that thing. Everything in this world has an internal self-witness and self-claim. I'm going to give you examples, very practical. Every human being has a self-witness and claim. So when you are being employed, so let me use your profession, a medical doctor, nurses, so the health center. You are only going to be employed based on your self-claim. You can never be employed as a health worker by claiming someone's witness. How do you do that? You present your certificates. You present your transcripts. You go for interview. They ask you questions and you answer the questions. It is not someone who is what? Agreeing for you. Can you do this for you? said yes. What are the proof? You bring your certificates. You bring your transcripts. You bring everything. You are what? Claiming. It is yourself what? Claim and witness. You go and buy a computer. Nobody claims what the computer is, it's the computer itself. We call what time we call manual. The manufacturer tells you this computer does one, two, three, four, five. Nothing, nothing there's nothing external that can say that can compete and contest that. That is self-witness You buy drug and they have written the pharmacological what? Whatever there is, they bring what? This drug has any side effect they written, not yet. It is what a self-witness and a self-claim. It is what a universal phenomenon. Water is a self-witness. Nothing can testify of what I said, water itself. So the Bible is a self-witness. Now, we move on to the next step. You said, okay, you have completed medical school, that's fine. You brought your certificate. Well, SS went today, you brought some transcripts and all that. Fine. We are now going to what? Verify. Oh, Kasa, now I'm going to talk with me. What class I'm going to do? I'm going to get some transcripts. No, 
We will then go to Gay, alright, and find out whether the transcript he brought from Gay is true. He went to what? Confanachi Medical School. So we'll go to Confanachi, we'll come and verify whether your certificate is genuine. Whether the transcript you have brought is what? Genuine. So you produce drug, and pharmacists and medical doctors will what? Will verify, they will test it and see whether the claims of the drug is true. But you can never fault anyone for what claiming and making self-witness. It is a universal principle. It's a universal phenomenon. In fact, you can never, have you seen any politician campaigning and using any other person apart from the politician? It is a universal principle. Self claim and self witness, but it will be what? Subjected to what? Scrutiny. Checks and verification. So now, all the claims of the Bible must be what? Subjected to scrutiny. And what? Verification. But nobody can question why the Bible is boasting about itself. Because it is a universal principle. Anybody who does that, the person is not being logical. You are just running away from facts and truth. You don't accept someone to testify about somebody more than the person himself. So when I say that we believe the Bible because of the Bible, his personal self-witness is why we believe. And there cannot be any superior, anything that can close. So now how do we verify? How do we check? The Bible is made up of historical facts that can be done by philosophers and historians and that can be checked and done in a way scientifically. Was Jesus Christ a human being? The answer is yes, so we can prove it historically. Do we have a country called Egypt? You have a country called Egypt. So the Bible said that when Jesus was young, the mother and the father fled to Egypt. So there is a place historically called Egypt. So at least you can verify historically. Jesus is because he was a human being. We have a country called Israel. We have a place called Bethlehem, Jerusalem. All these things are there. So Jesus is a historical person. Do you have kingdoms called the kingdom of Babylon? Do we have Persia? Do we have, have we had kingdom called Greek kingdom? As all written in Daniel, historical. Do you have the Roman Empire? It is evident, everybody knows about it. And that was the time Jesus was born. And Jesus' ministry spanned the entire Roman Empire. Paul, all of them finished before the empire was collapsed. So what? There are things in scripture that can be verified historically. Archaeologically, you can look at the sites and verify some of the things in scripture. So that one is settled. How do you verify Jesus taking Paul, Peter, and John to the Mount of Transfiguration? When 
Jesus was there, and the Bible said that Elijah and Moses appeared. And whilst Peter said, Lord, let us make three boots, one for you, one for um, Elijah, and one for Moses. And the Bible said that the two disappeared, and the voice came that this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. He gave him, how do you verify using signs? You see, um, what I'm doing is I'm saying I'm using scripture, but I'm doing an academic intellectual exercise. So when people say that faith is not rational enough, there's nothing more rational in this world than faith. How do you verify it? You say science, you cannot. You cannot. So when we read the Bible, all that is written is based on what? Witness account. And this is what? Law. Law is based primarily on witness and evidence. And the people who wrote the scripture said that we were witnesses. Peter and John, John not chapter 1. Verse 1 to 4. We were eyewitnesses. We have seen what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have touched, what we have experienced. This is what we are passing on. If you have contrary, you bring a different witness to come and testify something else. If you can prove that they did not see Jesus be transfigured, bring another proof. That one cannot be proven scientifically. But they are saying that we are eyewitnesses. So the burden is rather on the one who said that you did not see. I said I saw. <laughs> and since what I saw, I can't prove it to you in any other way. You are saying I didn't see. Prove that I didn't see. You are questioning my what? Self-witness and internal witness when you have no proof. Contrary to what I'm saying, your case be thrown out of court. So, there are a lot in scripture called the truth and the relations of God that science cannot verify. Now, I'm going to show you that this is also not only spiritual, but what physical and what human. There are a lot of human experiences that you can never use science to verify. Let me start with a small one and I'll add another one. I hope when I add the second one, please don't, don't laugh. Don't be smiling. <laughs> if you sit here and tell me that, oh, you have eaten and the food is nice, how do you verify that certificate? <laughs> how do you verify taste scientifically? Which instrument can you use? To verify this. Test is what? An experience. Test is what? An experience. Our faith in God and the scriptures is only subject, not subject to just physical and historical proof, but an experience that is beyond scientific verification. So the fact that science cannot verify does not mean it is not true. Because in our natural sense, in our natural life, there are a lot of things science cannot verify. Now let me come to the other one. I'm not going to mention so many of them because of time. The other one, uh-huh, hello. Mm. The other one is what? Sex. Okay. <laughs> Every 
anybody who has married or has a know that sex is nice and pleasurable. How do you measure that? How do you use scientific instrument to verify that when somebody says sex is nice, sex is pleasurable, how do you measure it scientifically? But we know that it is what a universal human what experience. So when people say that it cannot, faith cannot be proven scientifically because of that, it is not true. We are not being logical. You can only know that sex is pleasurable when you have had sex. And that is what the Bible says. You can only know the truth of God's word by accepting the word and testing it. The word gives itself claim and tells you how you can verify me. How you can know that my claims are true is that you need to believe and accept me by faith. Test it and you will experience it. So that all the people say we are eyewitnesses. What we have seen, what we have heard, what we have touched, what we have experienced, that is what we pass on. So don't let philosophers and scientists bully you with the fact that you cannot prove faith. Now, there's the place of experience. That experience in scripture becomes what affirmation of the witness of scripture. And that experience is not one person, not two. That experience is not one generation. We are talking about thousands of generations. We are talking about billions upon billions of people who have followed this and they testify of that experience. What do you need to ask yourself? Have you experienced the word? Have you experienced the word? And has the word become real in your life? So we accept the gospel by faith and we are born again. Then when we are born again, we grow in our faith through the word. First Peter 2, 2 said that desire the sincere milk of the word. Then you can grow. Hebrews 5, 11 to 14 tells us that we should grow from what? Milk to solid food. So you grow in the faith by what? Continue in the element that brought you to the faith in the word. So the Bible said that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. Romans 10, 17. And when we hear, we grow in it. You can never use sociology to do any test in the hospital. Hello? There are medical laws and ways of doing medical tests. That is different from the social sciences. So why do you want to use science to verify spirituality when it is not in the domain of science? 
If we believe that the social scientist cannot use his methods to test things in the health center, in the laboratory of what medicine, in the same way a chemist cannot use his methods to do anthropology, when we are studying human culture, not human skeleton anatomy. There is what method for what studying culture that is different from what chemistry methods. Why do we assign that in the sciences? And when we say that faith is not verified by scientific means, but it is what verified by belief. The Bible is verified by belief, by faith. And it is the only proof, it's the only way you can verify. He said that test and see that the Lord is good. So there is no other, no other ways of verifying scripture except the Bible itself. And it is received by faith. Individuals believe and they have experience. Not experience, like I said, can be verified scientifically and have just done that. There is this um, psychologist who even have been um, criticized by great psychology that he himself was not a psychologist, not a proper one, Sigmund Freud. <laughs> Sigmund Freud, I hope some of us have heard of him. And this German um, who developed, uh, developed psychoanalysis. Sigmund Freud said that he does not believe in dreams. Dreams are all part of neurosis. He talks about this issue of um, the conscious, the preconscious, and the unconscious um, repression and all that. I'm not going to go deep into that. But you see, how many of us here have had dream and it has come to pass? Have you experienced horror in faith? Uh -huh. How do you put that scientifically? So first said that you can't prove dreams. So he later he asked all those things that dreams are all this part of neurosis. Desires and thoughts, things you want to do, they sing and they are repressed into the unconscious, and later when you are sleeping, the conscious is inactive. So they are what they resurface and it falls into dreams. And there is what logic in what he says. Some of the dreams are playback of the day. So what Freud missed that he was looking at only what happens in the natural. But forgotten that spiritually, dreams are powerful tools of communication. But it cannot be verified scientifically. I think I've shared here with you that when, before I became the IACL president, before I became the SCCPC, and my call into GAFRES as the training secretary for the commerce zone, NAMI Ghana zone, all of them were true dreams, and the dreams were the same. The same party, the one I was going to take over from, I saw in the dream handing over to me. That's simple. Three, all the three instances, and they all came to pass. How do you verify with scientific instrument? <laughs> How many of us have read the testimony about my twins? How do you verify that scientifically? But there are what? Witnesses. People go use in a series to confirm his word and how it came to pass. You tell me spirituality is not rational, it's not logical. 
an experience? Isn't it rather illogical to deny an experience? I have dreams, dreams come to pass, and you are telling me that dreams cannot be true. It is rather an illogical on my part to deny reality. Somebody is praying, an angel appears to the person. You can't prove that scientifically. You are saying that because you can't prove that scientifically, the person should what? Deny that reality. That's what experience. So science and philosophy must understand that they are also limited. There is something that they cannot do. And when it comes to faith, and I believe in the word and the spiritual things, it is superior. There is no greater evidence than what personal experience. But we receive it by faith and we experience it as we continue in the faith. And that is what God has given us. Now let me touch on the distortions. Two of them. Once again now, when we speak in an academic and intellectual sense, like I said, I believe, precious one, that there is nothing rational and more logical than faith. And it is this faith that made, like, when I travel, I think I've shared this testimony, so many testimonies in my book. And God teaching me something. I travel, give you all your money. When you go home, don't ask for money. Go to a place, I'll let the person give you money, but don't ask for money. I go and I sit in the car, I don't have money to build the car. <laughs> the car used to take me to a station and I'll pick another car and travel to where I was going. Actually, specifically in Beijing. I have moved from Sunyan to Beijing and then from Beijing I'll be coming to Kumasi. My God has said, I'll do this. So I sat in the car, taxi, and the person banged the door he was going. <laughs> Just took two or three steps, he turned back and then put his hand in the pocket and gave me money. Sir, please take this for transportation. It is knowing who God is. That's what I'm saying that the claims of scripture is superior. If you believe what God, who God is in scripture, then faith becomes the most logical. If I can trust medical doctors to heal me, I should have faith more in God as a healer. Because God can do all things. Unless I don't believe, that is fine. But if I believe and I know and I have experience, faith becomes very logical. Now let's look at the two arguments. Fabrication, the Bible is made up of stories, fine. Let's go to, let me give you scriptures that you read about the testimony, first Peter, um, second Peter 2, verse 19 to 21. We know the, the other one about 
Second Timothy three fifteen to seventeen. So yeah, Second Peter one nineteen to twenty one. I, I will talk about that. The Bible is made up. The first thing that you need to know is that the disciples were all Jews. And later Paul was a Jew, not just an ordinary Jew, but a lawyer of the Jewish law. For a typical Jew and a lawyer to say that Jesus is God, it would take something supernatural. You claim God and be killed. And that is why they killed Jesus. And for Paul to believe that Jesus is God after he had died, something, Paul would have seen something beyond and greater. Jews cannot accept anyone being God except Yahweh. And yet they recognize and saw Jesus. They saw something beyond and they proved. When we say that the Bible has been made up of distortions, you create falsehood and then you believe in the falsehood. How logical is that? And Paul gives us one important scripture. We, I know we have read it over and over again. 1 Corinthians 15, 16 to 20. When Jesus, Paul was talking about the resurrection, he says, If Jesus did not resurrect, then no one who dies will ever resurrect. Two, and if Jesus did not resurrect, those of us who follow Jesus, we are the most miserable people in the world. Someone who made such strong statement talking about the resurrection because there was evidence prior to that he has spoken about the witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. Like I mentioned, the Bible is a historical book, but the history of God and man and not human history alone. That makes it unique. So there were evidence of the resurrection of Jesus. And Paul starts from 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1 to 6 and 8. Gives the account of the witnesses. And he himself was a witness on the road to Damascus. So how can Paul say that if Jesus did not resurrect, it is a waste of time Jesus. And then Paul will commit himself to follow Jesus. When he knew he was what? Lying to himself. And he knew he was wasting his time. But he was sure of what? Of the evidence and what he's claiming. And there are witnesses of that. Now let's look at the issue of distortion. If the Bible has been distorted, 
The claim and the witness in the Bible says no, and not possible. Because of light, write Galatians 1, 6 to 9. Revelation 22, 18 to 19. Paul says, if I or another person or even an angel comes from heaven and utter this gospel, let that person be accursed. And you are saying that we are distorted. When the thing we are saying we are distorted, we would have taken this command from it. If you want to use it to deceive people. Because it is written. And if we believe everything that is written, it means this one to be believing and to come to pass. So we believe that if you distort the word, you are cursed. How will we distort it? The Revelation also mentioned whoever adds to this word of prophecy, the Lord shall add unto him the plagues that have been spelled out in this prophecy. And whoever takes out of this prophecy, God will blot his name out of the book of life. If there is anything a serious person who has followed God fears, is to change God's word. So the beginning point of our faith is the fact that God's word is settled and as it has been handed over to us, we believe it and we then alter it to make it sweeter. How long are you going to alter it? You alter it to answer today's question. Tomorrow another question will come, then you what? You alter it. After 10 years, another question will come, you fail and you alter it. How logical is that? But the Bible has been consistent. Any, any question? It's a very good question. It's, it's yes, but you know, in, in academic, you have to always define whatever word or term you use. But here, logical in all its senses. When we say something is logical, it is comprehensible. Okay, I have followed God, and I've seen the ways of God. And I've come to know who he is. I can comprehend that it is better I depend on him. That is a big logic. I'm using my human mind understanding. You can only testify God in a logical way. You use your human reasoning 
The Bible was written with human reason, with human language. But if you are talking about being logical in the area of science, verification, then no. By human understanding or human following it in a way that is consistent, then it is logical. So for instance, you, you know you grow in faith by keeping your testimonies. Do you know that one of the powerful weapons of you as a Christian is never to forget your testimony? How do you do that? You do that with your mind. The ability to what? Remember what God has done. And do you know why? So that God did this, God did this, God did this. I can depend on him to do another thing. That is, you are being rational. But rational, not in the fact that natural, in the natural sense, but rational, that's supernatural. So natural and supernatural, the mind can comprehend both. So somebody does a miracle, you, you see it with your eyes. You see a cripple walk. You see with your eye, the brain communicates to you that a cripple has walked. We are talking about brain here. We are talking about the activity of the mind. But what resulted in the cripple walking is what? A spiritual, a supernatural. But your mind can comprehend, see the evidence. So that is why faith is very rational and logical. Because the ability to trust something. If you don't have a reason, you can't trust. And that's why God always starts with that small, 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 small. He keeps us small, small experience testimony so that we build our faith in Him. All right. Okay. So, um, with what you just said, when it comes to uh, miracle performance, you, you understand based on the evidence. Yes. That um, logic includes being able to explain what has happened and in this instance it's i don't know how you're going to explain how somebody is crippled and what happened the explanation is that it was done by god who is able to do all things and you have an experience that was in that you believe it and you see the reason why i'm saying that faith is very rational and logical because there's no way human beings can follow God without our rational and our logic. And that is why he gives us evidence. And that is why we have the Bible. So when you read the Bible, the Bible is not made up of angels by human beings. Why? So that you can identify with the human being. You are using your, 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 your mind. So the explanation is that God is able to do all things. And because I believe and I know him, he has been able to do it. So that is the explanation. Explanation must not only be what a scientific way, but a spiritual dimension, which in itself is a relative and an experience. Because you know God can do all things. So that is what I okay. You and let me pick another one. Oh, it's a follow up. Yeah, it's a <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I've heard testimonies of people or 
teachers who say they received an instruction to do something. And then while they were doing whatever they were doing, they didn't understand what they were doing. But at the end, they realized they got the meaning into it. So I want to add that um, faith, is it based on a retrospective experience? Like what you go through before the end, you come to the conclusion and, and understand it. Or even in the course of the action, you only based on, okay, God said it, so I'm doing it. And in that logic, in that instance, in the performance of the action, we have to wait for the thing to complete before you can say, okay, now I get it. Um, when we're talking about faith, we start with Abraham. Abraham had not seen anything completed. He believed. Because God spoke with him. So there's that kind of an encounter with God, who he is. So Hebrews say that he that comes to God must first believe that he is. And the rewarder of them that believe. So that is the beginning of faith. Believe who God says he is. So I accept the word of God by faith. And as I walk in the word, I begin to experience it. That builds my faith. For me, if I, my greatest thing in life is if I hear this is what God is saying, I will easily do it. Even last year, I took a decision that was very crazy. But right from the beginning of the year, God has spoken to me. And I know maybe when the testimony is really complete, I will share for all of you to hear. Because I know who God is, I can trust Him for all things. So God has a way of helping each one of us. We must first enter in and then grow in the faith. So there are times we'll be doing certain things. Um, naturally, God's submitting hand work. We work, and then later on, you understand that, oh, this was the reason why I did this, or I was led to do this. But at times, you hear clearly God telling you to do this. Depend on how God speaks to you. If you have learned, that is also another subject for discussion. If you have learned how God speaks to you, He will tell you to do something. The reason why you bring in logic is this. Do you leave a job paying you, let's see, 7,000 Ghanaians and go and pick a job, even a similar one, paying you 1,500 Ghanaians? <laughs> now, human sense, it doesn't, it's not logical, it's not rational. But if indeed you heard that it was God who was telling you to do it, you know that you have done the best thing in your life. Because you trust God. Because you trust God, it is rational to leave that 7,000 paid job to go and pick the 1,500. Because there is nothing that you can have in life to obey than to obey God. So you realize that people who don't have faith in God will think that you are being stupid. But you know that you know God so well that you dare not what disobey when He speaks. So it doesn't make sense. Your wife will have problem with you, your children. 
they will begin to bring the, the calculation. Our fees, you know, this time, even the three children, that's about 2,500. You, you are three, picking 1,500. <laughs> but anybody who has followed God will testify that when you pick that job, how God will provide for your family, it will amaze you. And beyond, God will give you something beyond money. So that is the logic of faith. Because of the subject of our faith, God. Like I said, when I was speaking Gaffer's, I mean, I, I was the national leader, so I was on Gaffer's um, National Council. I go to meeting and sometimes three months staff have not been paid. Their salary was very, very small. And then you sat now you say, yeah. And I remember the last size we were going in Gaffer's 2006. Students have come over from the country, they said, there's no money. See, some students go home. The ministry was broke. And this is a young man who, a medical laboratory technologist, who by second year had a job waiting for him. And you said, I'm leaving that and go and enter into a ministry like this. In just a way, Papa no mommy cry with you. From JHS, I have struggled. My family every member pays some sister, yes, I keep me fees. Okay? So it's not like you like that the BB ban away scout for your daddy. They are looking up to you. It, it is only someone who is not logical who do that. But faith, am I believing God? Haha. <laughs> I have seen God. I said, Lord, I will do this. And I have never regretted. So you see the logic that I'm talking about. Because of God, if it is God, I will do it. Because God is bigger and greater. That is why I'm saying that it is very rational and logical. If you look at it in that sense. Alright. MC, please time us. Yeah, she didn't say anything objective because looking at uh, experiences, everyone has his own experience. You realize that the Hindus says in a single edition. The Muslim says he saw maybe a book of one around and he went and went. Yeah. So why should why should I choose it from a neutral point of view? Why should I choose the Muslim's experience or the Christian's experience over that of um, a Christian? Yeah. So she didn't say anything objective so that we know that it's okay. We are able to prove that okay, Christianity is right, so we, we all should move in the direction of the Christian. Okay. Instead of saying that we should enter when tasting, then now. Yes, then you start tasting, tasting, tasting. When you read the Bible very well, this is your. Um, okay, I've studied it now. The Bible rather says that a lot of people reject it. Have you read your Bible very well? There are so many people who reject the Bible. Jesus, the life, the truth. People saw the sign, the miracles, all that he did. They rejected him. So don't even worry yourself about that. You see, if you're talking about signs being objective, fine. But we are talking about means of verification. All right? You must verify, you must test it. 
before you say that you are being objective in your analysis. Faith cannot be done that like we science can't do that. So it is beyond science in this instrumentation and methods of education. It is beyond that. So the only means is what experience. So our Bible says that we should go and share the word. So we keep on sharing. Those who believe it, find they don't believe. They don't believe. So if you are talking about objectivity and subjectivity, the Bible says that all who follow him will have eternal life. That is not subjectivity. It is objective. Objective of them who follow that. So it doesn't become only those experience. Then it becomes subjective. But the claims of scripture applies to all belief. That is what being objective. It is not someone, and Peter said that scripture is not our private personal interpretation. That is not what subjective. But rather, God moved us to write. And that is why the Bible is so consistent with the claims and truth of our Jesus and what he proclaims to us the eternal life. So that is it. So we should let sign know that it's not everything that it can verify. Do science and scripture come down? There are a lot of things that science can make us appreciate God better. Alright, MCC that is time. Um, so we have to close. Alright, let's continue um, reflecting on this. Um, we don't have the line. How do you sing our song? Quite a number of YouTube. There is no way to authenticate that the Bible is the word of God except the Bible itself. All others are what inferior at best and disastrous at worst. If you want to follow, so God said that we should proclaim His word. So don't be afraid. The accusation and attacks will come. But the Bible is powerful enough to stand and overcome. So you should worry about yourself. Don't worry about the Bible. Your faith. Devote yourself to the word and study the word so that your conviction is solid on the evidence and the truth. As for the other arguments, we can look at it, all the attacks and all that. There are a lot of them. More than a thousand. Uh-huh. Can we say it briefly? For the word, the more you are convinced that it is the word of God. The evidence is so powerful. The life in the word will impact you. The joy and the peace of God you will experience it. This is still CMF Digital. We hope you've been blessed by this life transforming message. Join us again next time. Know Christ, make him known. Knowing Christ, making him known. The health profession for Christ.